This video is brought to you by Devout Decals, makers of reusable Catholic art for your home altar, your bedroom, and your home classroom. Sometimes we get clear signs that things have gone truly wrong in Rome and more broadly in the church. Sometimes God paints a picture for us with a metaphorical neon sign that anyone with even a bit of the census fidelium should be able to see. And sometimes things are a little more subtle or nuanced. And I think today I have a story for you that will illustrate that at times high-ranking prelates act like their spiritual fathers, those Pharisees who took the temple of God and, well, turned it into a place of materialism, a place of commerce. They turned it into a marketplace, and they think that doing that, they are being guided by the Holy Ghost. It's a claim that sounds absurd to you and I, but for those steeped in the new modernist religion, calling itself Catholicism, it makes sense. Material concerns are the highest concerns. According to this view, man himself represents the pinnacle of salvation, mankind in general. To paraphrase something Paul VI said in the 1970s on the new orientation of the church with the world. And that's more one of the more subtle things here. So from the National Catholic Reporter, which has been told numerous times, by the way, by the U.S. bishops, to stop calling itself Catholic and has categorically refused to do so, we get this nugget of wisdom. The U.S. bishops apparently need to learn to submit to the Holy Spirit. Because you see, the Holy Spirit, meaning God, meaning the same God the Bible tells us is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever, that Holy Spirit is demanding the church change its teachings to coincide with the values of the world. Any rejection of the synod, according to this view, is, which is apparently the vehicle of the Holy Spirit to change the, world, the church, is a rejection of the Holy Spirit and disobedience to God. And rejection of the Holy Spirit is the unforgivable sin. And so this is all what we're told by the National Catholic Reporter article, which does a great job of hammering that message home, even besmirching Pope St. Pius X in the process. So headline, 2022 saw opposition to Pope Francis plus intellectual and ecclesial shifts. Typically, the, those year-end news roundup articles are barely worth reading anywhere you find them, but sometimes the author will tell you what they really think about you in them. And that is absolutely the case here. You see, we as those who reject the notion of synodality and the errors that the moder that are being forced through synodality onto the church are the bad guys in the Marvel brain story that the modernists tell themselves. Remember that. We are the bad guys in a movie script. From the article, quote, as NCR board member Jim Purcell, who was heavily involved in the synodal process in his parish of diocese, noted, I have witnessed again and again the animating power of the Holy Spirit that is at the heart of a synodal church. Again and again, people reported how nice it was to feel listened to, how for many it was the first time anyone had asked for their input. The practice in the U.S. church for most of the 20th and early 21st centuries has been for the bishops to consult among themselves and then tell the rest of us what they concluded was for our own good. The pattern was set by Pope Pius X in his 1906 encyclical letter, Vehementor Nos, available here, by the way, I've returned to tradition, in which he, the Pope, declared, the one duty of the multitude is to allow themselves to be led, and like a docile flock, to follow the pastors. The funny thing is that for synodality to work, we all need to learn to be docile to the Holy Spirit, and the pastors need to learn this too. The American penchant for pragmatism and our contemporary predilection to activism are as much a hurdle to effective synodality as is the history of exclusively hierarchical governance. We should also be concerned that the disdain for synodality shown by some prominent conservatives and by the 
conservative Catholic media conglomerate EWTN risks underrepresenting the voices of the millions of conservative Catholics, end quote. So you see the reason trads and more conservative Catholics haven't been represented in the Senate is because of EWTN. <laughs> now note the use of the word conservative as a derogatory label to undermine the credibility of their intended targets. The piece goes on to hit against the newly appointed head of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops as apparently, quote-unquote, the worst remnant of the John Paul II era, which the author implies was an evil era in the church. And look, JP too was really, he was not a conservative, though he certainly looks like one compared to the clown show that's running the church these days. But also note that this is divided into the conservative versus liberal divide. It's secular materialist thinking. The faith does not fit into these neat secular labels or boxes. It just does not. And here we have secular labels being applied to the author's opponents. One of the hallmarks of modernism is the adoption of secular thinking in the church, and it leads to a whole host of errors, including turning internal church debates into something little more than another political match, with all sense of the holy and mystical lost in the process. Another example of this thinking comes from Rome, and here's your more subtle story. Headline from Vatican News, Cardinal Perelin at St. Egidio Christmas Lunch. We need solidarity and love. The community of St. Egidio holds its 40th annual Christmas luncheon for the poor at St. Mary Trastevere Church, and Cardinal Secretary of State Pietro Perelin underlines the importance of closeness with those who suffer. Okay, so... This is going to sound like it came out of left field, but I am not a believer in the so-called St. Malachi prophecy for a number of reasons, including it probably being fake since it wasn't even discovered for 200 years after the saint's passing and was probably written by one of his brother monks long after he died. But if it's real, then my money for Peter the Roman is Cardinal Pietro Perlin, who Frank Walker at Canon 212 likened to Dracula in his appearance. This story seems innocent enough, but remember something. What is a parish for? And the answer is simple. It's for the worship of God. You don't eat at the sanctuary in, the, in your parish, not in the actual chapel and sanctuary where mass is offered. You don't, use it for the material, you don't use it for material purposes more broadly. You shouldn't even talk in that space except for absolutely essential reasons. Otherwise, leave the talking for other parts of the building and the eating and other non-worship activities for other parts of the building. Leave that for prayer and the offering of the mass. Rome needs to be reminded of that because they love to use chapels for materialist purposes. Example from the article, quote, Approximately 300 of Rome's poor, homeless, and elderly people, as well as several people from the conflict zone, attended the traditional Christmas luncheon organized by the community of St. Egidio in Rome's St. Mary and Trastevere Church. The event celebrated the 40th anniversary since its launch on the 25th of December, 1982. Over the years, St. Egidio volunteers and workers have served lunch to over 80,000 poor people in Italy and 250,000 around the world, end quote. Obviously, the problem is not that they're feeding the poor, or even those people who move around and have caused chaos and political division within Europe in the last decade, who by their mere presence have destabilized things culturally, politically, socially on that continent. The church is called to feed and care for those people. That's not the issue. The issue is that they've been doing this in a chapel, in a sanctuary in front of an altar. But treating the sanctuary like a diner instead of a place where the holy sacrifice of the mass is offered. And of course, this year's luncheon was full of Francis's messages on Francis things and his Dracula in chief, Cardinal Pietro Perlin, 
delivered the message for Francis. Quote, The guest of honor at this year's luncheon was Cardinal Pietro Perelin, the Vatican's Secretary of State, who brought the greetings and good wishes of Pope Francis. Speaking to guests, the Cardinal recalled his first visit to the community's lunch in 2015. It is always a wonderful and moving experience to see all these people together celebrating Christmas, something that touches the heart. Cardinal Perelin expressed the wish that these experiences could be repeated and multiplied because we have so much need for solidarity and love in our world. He also explained that Christmas calls us to this. The only solution to our problems is to be attentive and close to others, especially those who suffer and are in difficulty. The Pope gives us this example daily, he said. We try to follow him in many ways, but we try to make this world of ours a little better. End quote. I know, some will bristle at my objecting to treating, like, uh, treating a parish's sanctuary space like a diner. I will remind you that our blessed Lord chased the money changers out of the temple for turning the temple of God into a place of trade, money-making, and materialism. This is not different, especially since there are always political undertones to what Perelin is doing here. The Pharisees did it there for, you know, in the name of the faith. There's no difference here. Francis's Vatican has been at the forefront of trying to open Europe up to having more and more people arrive with no limit, which also just happens to be what Francis's secular allies want. He does it in the name of the faith, and perhaps he honestly believes he has a religious duty to bring more and more peoples over. That could be the case. I don't doubt that he believes he has a duty to update the faith and put it at the service of the secular world. Heresy makes all sorts of illogical ideas seem logical in the mind of the heretic, and this could be just another case of that. What I don't believe is that the church, which owns a lot of property, our critics love to remind us of just how much property the church owns. The church owns countless properties around the world. I don't believe that the church does not have a property they own or could rent that would be appropriate to that lunch that's near a parish. It would be better to bring an altar into such a secular space, sanctify the space, and then offer the mass there. Then it would be, and then move it out, the altar out after the mass, assuming that the mass was even offered for the attendees in the first place, which I admit is a huge leap on my part. Now, Our Lady of La Salette said that Rome would lose the faith and become the seat of Antichrist. And by Antichrist, Our Lady and the Church does not mean a pope would be Antichrist. That is Protestant thinking. The Church has condemned it. The Church has said that no pope will be Antichrist. It's a matter of faith to reject that notion, meaning you place yourself outside the Church if you believe it. And I and no, saying that will it be an anti-pope is the escape clause either, since one of the marks of the papacy is a public acceptance of the reigning pontiff as pontiff, which Francis certainly has. There are no serious competing claims that are widely accepted. But Our Lady of La Salette said Rome would lose the faith. And by lose the faith, it's pretty obvious what's meant. The message of La Salette points to Rome embracing materialism, falling into decadence and corruption at the highest levels of the church. That is where we are now, almost 200 years after the appearance of Our Lady in La Salette, France. Parishes are being used as diners by church officials. It really doesn't get much more obvious than that. But maybe I'm wrong. Well, I mean, look, if I'm wrong on this, I'm sure you'll let me know if you think that I'm wrong. And you'll do it in the comments. Now, should we just take this as another moment of synodality in the church? It's another moment of the Holy Ghost guiding the church to change everything it stood for and understood about itself, including morality and its relationships with the world. Should we just submit to this revolutionary moment in the faith? 
like the author of that National Catholic Reporter article is demanding. Let me know what you thought of all this in the comments. Please like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help as to sharing this on social media. That helps a lot too. And as always, pray for the church. And thanks to the patrons of this channel for supporting the work of Return to Tradition. It is greatly appreciated. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.